What's up, Ding Dongs? Oh my God, bring the energy level. That's what I got for you today. This is oh, the level on. of energy bring it that up. I'm bringing to Get this podcast together. recording. What's up, Ding Dongs? We, we need another coffee sponsor. You out there? Oh God, don't we? We um, really do. And and just if somebody could hook up an IV of just pure caffeine to my wrist, that'd be I good. think that'd be, that'd that'd be, be really ideal. Good. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I have a story to tell you. Okay. When I was in high school, I feel like for whatever reason, you couldn't like the Smiths and the Cure. Really? You had to like one of the two. Have I told you this before? No. It's is it like a like a sharks and jets situation. It really like, was. It really was. Like you you know, you either you you didn't know who they were at all, which was a good percentage of my high school, or if uh-huh. you were in the little and in, in the little crowd that I was running with, you you knew them and you you picked one of the two. It's just a bunch of goths and scene kids making passive aggressive yeah. comments about their preferred bands to each other. For whatever reason you couldn't really like both. I mean, you could like them okay. It was like, oh, okay. But, you know, you didn't, you had to kind of die on one of those swords. And Where, so, so, so did, did you have to choose a side? I did choose a side. I chose a side. I chose the, I chose the Smiths. Yeah, that's the side I would go with. Yeah. I, I just, I am far more familiar with their music than The Cure. I mean, I like The Cure fine, but like, yeah, yeah I'm on, I'm on the Smiths side. Uh, Morrissey, great guy. Uh, oh yeah, great let personal me tell life. you. Um, what super, happened? Morrissey, super stable what dude. happened to um, him? He moved to L.A. and uh, uh, <laughs> went down I, the stony road. Is that is that the is that what caused him? I'm gonna. I don't. I can't explain it any other way. I just have to blame. And I love L.A., but I've got to blame. I don't think Morrissey in L.A. That was a weird choice. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. wasn't going to end well. Um, but anyway, this isn't a Smiths podcast. Even though I bet there is a bunch of those out there. And I wonder what their take on Morrissey is. But we, we need to play a particularly mopey Smith song over this intro, by the way, because... That's the level of energy that I'm bringing here. That's true. Or or we should go the opposite route and play like Girlfriend in a Coma and bring it up a little bit because, you know, it's a very popular one, first of all, but also that's a little bit more upbeat. Girlfriend in a Coma yeah girlfriend in a coma is more upbeat than what we're bringing here on point but upbeat uh well i think stop me if you've heard this one before might be more appropriate because (laughs) you know it's an intro we're gonna talk movies here in a second this is the side talks podcast i'm Corey craft i'm rachel morgan um and uh yeah here i said that was really annoying i'm rachel morgan no no it was fine it was fine um, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna in in the the manner of Robert Smith and Morrissey, uh, two trying, of our great. Uh, I used to know poets. every lyric, and I'm trying to pull a lyric right now. I used to I used to put on um, like any like Hatful of Hollow or any number of of different Smiths albums, yeah. and could sing ev- the Smiths, the Smiths, for example, and could sing every damn song. And I mean, of course, I could sing Girlfriend and Coma, I guess, but that's just too on the nose. But I'm trying to think of like. Park the car at the side of the road. You're just, you're digging into the B-sides? Time's tide will smother you. It's always some shit like that. No, I got it. Um, I got I pulled a couple of lines. There you go. That now, joke isn't funny anymore. There you go. Good. Good song. Name that song. Now let's talk about movies. Get ready for a five minute fight. Five minute. Round one. Fight. fight. Well, it is time. I can't avoid it any longer. Uh-oh. Okay. So we're fighting about a film that I actually like. Yeah. I'm just going to go just ahead don't and say like it. like it as much as but I do. I, I feel pretty, I mean, I, I 
went back and forth on whether or not we should do this because I do like the film. But you know what? I feel strongly enough that it's not that great of a film. Okay. Well, that I'm willing to fight it. And I, and I, again, I'm acknowledging that a lot of people are going to be a little pissy with me about this one. Um, and I, I feel a little bit bad, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyway because we're scratching for stuff to fight about lately. Mostly because you won't go watch some of the films I keep telling you to watch. I think you're not going to like. I'm blaming it on you. I don't think that's necessarily true. It's just that we just get along so darn much. Can you start the timer on that note, Brad, please? Uh, So what is the film that we are mildly apart on today <laughs> a film that we both programmed the beauty all the be- what is it beauty all and the blo- beauty and the bloodshed, bloodshed. my I, number four favorite film of 2022 yeah. from laura poitras oscar nominee for best documentary feature an epic story about the artist nan golden tracing her career from its inception um all the way to present day where she is an activist right. um against you know, the Sackler family and uh, the opioid epidemic that has claimed so many lives in this country. She was um, personally affected by this, addicted sure. to opioid painkillers. She kicked that habit and now um, fights to remove the Sackler name from art organizations around the world. And I think that's part of my issue. It, it's a little bit of a muddy documentary, in my mm. opinion. The the It's a little bit of a scrambled egg. It's all over the place. The structure is, you know, it maybe works, but I think there's a better way to do it. Sorry. Uh, It just feels a little whiplashy when I'm watching it. And it's trying to do too much. I think it's a bit too ambitious. I guess I could give it a, you know, a a pat on the back for that, but I'm not going to put it number four on my list because of that, because it is a little too overly ambitious. And Mm. And I'm not sure that the story is as interesting as it thinks it is. There's something that's happened in the last 10 years, and I blame it on Netflix. I blame it on these true crime documentaries, documentaries like Dear Zachary and this kind of thing. Not saying that's a bad documentary, but it does a thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Yeah, I know what you're saying. It does a thing. It does a thing where it kind of promises you something very, very uh, alluring is going to be revealed. You know, something is going to happen. There's some mystery and we're all chasing it. It's it's the serial podcast. It's It's all of those things. And what ends up happening oftentimes is that these documentaries put that out there and then the thing that they, that they keep teasing you with is not that big of a deal. And this feels a bit like that, a bit like that with her sister. It feel, And with that, mm. it, it feels a little manipulative in that way too because the, the big reveal, which I'm not saying suggesting happens at the very end of the documentary, but sure, they, sure. They, they take a long time to let you know. But her sister committed suicide. I, I just didn't view that as an equivalent reveal to some of these movies that you're describing like dear zachary has a thing and it's a horrible thing but it's a thing that happened during the making of the movie right no i get it i'm but, not i'm not i'm not I, look i'm not blaming that film or saying that film sure no, I, I know, i'm saying I that the success of that film led other films to do this thing where they're trying to drag you through I, a mystery yeah i just didn't read this as being a mystery. I, gotcha. I didn't read this as having a reveal. You know, the the structure of the movie really worked for me. It's novelistic and sprawling. It's yes. sprawling, yes. And they and the thing is they bring the sister back at the end to try to right. wrap it up. To, and to that's sort of part of my come full circle. Yes, I don't like it. I, I, I think I, that's that really, sloppy. That really worked for me. Mm. Um and it, it you know um it's a movie that had kind of a sneaky emotional power on me because I'm not really familiar with 
the the scene of artists that Nan Golden was a part of in the okay. 80s and, and early 90s, right? I'm not really all that familiar other than passing references, seeing names, seeing a couple pieces uh, of some of these artists, a lot of whom, as the film, you know, shows and explains died of AIDS, right? right. In the eighties sure. and nineties. And and Nan Golden is kind of the survivor, the the last person standing yeah, in a lot of ways of her scene. She's still alive, honestly, between the the abusive relationship that right. caused her a great deal of trouble. And of course that that album cover, the Afghan Wigs album cover, yeah. is a Nan is based on a Nan Golden photo and a very famous photo that right, right, comes right. out of that relationship that she had. And then, in addition to that, being really down the rabbit hole with a pretty heavy drug addiction. Sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Well, let's just say the deck was stacked against her, and and the story of resilience, and not only resilience, but and I don't think this is a spoiler, but but None triumph, of but triumph, right? That that Nan Golden uh, and her team of fellow activists around the world did, in fact, draw a lot of attention within you know fine art circles to the harm that the Sackler family was doing and Agreed. has done. This is all interesting. It's all interesting, and it's not presented in that much of an interesting I fashion. I, I was I was wrapped by it. Huh. Uh, you know, that is not surprising. Only, not only you know the sort of. Uh, um, artistic process that the film elucidates. It shows, you know, her development as an artist, which I found fascinating in its own way. I don't but think we see of enough the, of that. I, I, I don't know. I think it, I think it reaches. I mean, obviously, it's I love this movie. I get you. It's one. Of, it's on my top ten. I, I found it to be to strike that perfect balance between. Um, showing the development of an artist, showing her craft, and then showing all of the stuff that she's had to endure and survive um, that has fed into her art across, you know, 40 years or whatever, right? Like, it's both sprawling and incredibly intimate. And I loved and appreciated that level of detail. And I thought that Poitras, um, as a director... I don't know. I find the structure really savvy and compelling in itself. I think it's I think it's smarter than it needs to be and not smart enough to really work very well. And it, it really is one of those things where I, I pick your battle kind of feeling. Uh-huh. And that's what leads to this very lengthy runtime that we still don't get to spend quite enough time on any of the topics, mm. in my opinion. Mm. So I just think it's too too much crammed into too complicated of a structure that doesn't benefit this film. And I left kind of going, oh, well, I, I mean, I guess I'm glad I saw that. But it's not, you know, and I, I again, it's a... I'm not suggesting this is a bad film or a film that anybody shouldn't see. And we haven't, we really truly haven't spoiled anything because there is not a spoiler. I think right. the, the thing to know here is that there's no spoiler. There's no, film. there's no mystery. There's no reveal, but it is epic in form epic. and length. And I appreciated that epic nature of it. Yeah, uh, I, I, dis- I really I have did. to disagree there. Is it and all I have to say the that the beauty and all the bloodshed. What's I mean, pr- pretty it? much, yeah, it's all of it. it I mean, it yeah. there's not much left, you all, know, all the it, fighting. it covers all of the beauty and all of the bloodshed. Wow. Um, you know, your might, you know, your mileage may vary, but it's pretty much all in there. Hmm. Sam hasn't seen it. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I mean, with that said, um, I mean, I, okay. I like Rachel's comparison that it's the serial podcast. Um, I think serial did more harm to storytelling than we'd like to admit, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. Um, it's ambitious and sprawling. Um, and it is doing a lot. I know, um, 
And it sounds like it falls into the traps of true crime kind of suspension to increase the impact of a of a factual reveal that we might already know. But Corey disagrees with I disagree, that. I disagree with that. Rachel, for does the not. record, okay, okay. Um, but I mean, it sounds like a fantastic doc, and I think it deserves the Oscar nomination. Um, and yeah, plus a million points to Corey, and minus like ten million to the op- opioid industry. It kind of sucks. The real losers for this five-minute fight are the Sackler family. I think we can well, all agree on that. Tell it to their bank account. Yeah, let's fight them. They're really. Let me tell you, they're really hurting. Hey, put put one of them Sacklers in this room. I'll have a very sternly worded five-minute fight. They they will not know what hit them because I'll take I'll take them down. Seeing them just watching on that on Zoom that. call, it's just so anticlimactic. Everything about it, I feel like we're building up to a big win. No. It doesn't really happen. I, I just, just their disconnection and their the lack of humanity no, I, I and agreed, the just blankness but, on their faces. That's just re- so revealing. I it's not the re- it's not the reveal that the film is promising. Mm. But you know, it's an okay film. Go see it. Great Let film. Number four, thinks. best, fourth best Run movie of last year. Way too long. No, but, it's know. not. It's appropriate for the subject matter. Five minute fight. <laughs> Reflections. Now, are you sure you don't want to take that again, but this time with a lot more thunderous force as if you, you are being it. conducted by uh, an esteemed conductor <laughs> at the front of her orchestra? Take it again. Take it again, Reflections. Rachel. That's right. That's right. We're, Did I just blow your ears off, Brad? It came close, but yeah. you're good. Well, we're talking about the one, the only Tar. Now, people say that cancel culture is real, but Lydia Tar just got a bunch of Oscar nominations despite all that bad shit she did. So I'm not really sure that 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 shows that cancel culture exists. You know. It's very true. It's very true. So we decided to do a little reflections on the film Tar because it is more, it, t- it should take up a, just at least a couple more minutes than it would in what we've been watching. That's and right. I, you have seen Tar. You saw Tar a while back. My you came in here feeling, favorite film yeah. of last year. Yes. And uh, and I have I've been reporting back that I haven't seen it, haven't seen it. Well, I have now. I'm proud to report I've seen it, and I do like the film very much. Yeah, because it. But I, I do want to talk about it for a minute okay. because it is it's a it's a bit of a firecracker. It is it is a provocation. It's a sharp stick right in the eye. And so we've had a woman who is, has a lot in common with our character uh-huh. and Tar, played by Kate Blanchett, of course. We have had a woman step forward who is a conductor who is in the industry. That's right. Um, Marin also who is a lesbian. Yes. Uh, who clearly is a woman, who has said, I'm offended on all of those counts by uh, this film. Have you read the article? I have. I, I read her article. I, you know, she's entitled to feel that way given her proximity to what Tar is discussing. Um, yeah. And to, and, and to say, you know, she heard about the film itself sort of secondhand. Nobody spoke to her. There was no research. Okay. I get it. I, I would probably be a little butthurt too because the, guess what? There's not that many female conductors no, out there, there working in the world, and certainly female conductor, also a lesbian. Right. I, she's feeling that's probably like this landed too close to home. And then, of course, for the character to be somebody who's been—it's not a spoiler. It happens fairly early in the film, but she's been accused, and there's a mysterious uh, thread of some potential abuse. Uh, by somebody much younger and clearly working under her in the orchestra, correct? It it remains murky yeah. for a lot of the film, but we do see, you know, how Lydia Tarr interacts with other people in in her orbit, right? Her long suffering assistant, uh, played by uh, no, Naomi Morlot, 
who was in Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, her interactions with uh, her male colleagues, uh, which are revealing first, you know, an older mentor figure, um, Mark Strong's kind of annoying dilettante wannabe conductor who's a fundraiser, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, it reveals a lot. We we learn a lot about Lydia Tarr, but we learn more about sort of the mythology that she has created about herself, right? And and for me, Tarr is a movie about when that mythology comes crashing down um, and, and uh, a person who ostensibly right cares deeply and passionately about an art form, but who maybe got a little too high off of her own supply and kind of lost the thread a little bit. And now those chickens are kind of coming home to roost for her. Yeah. I've, I think it's, and I'm still processing this film. Uh-huh. I just finished a couple nights ago, so it's, it's new to me. It's, yeah. it, I'm still working through it, but it's a really interesting character study. Yes. And I think if I look at it that way, it, it, it has a particular allure of looking at it just as if it were a character study. Uh-huh. And and I didn't know what to make of the film. I didn't read a whole lot about it in advance. I didn't read this um, woman with all due respect. I didn't read her article in advance of seeing the film. I have since read it. I don't – this is well, the interesting part for me. I don't necessarily disagree with this conductor. Sure. At the same time, I like the film. And so it's doing this very interesting thing for me that is so relevant in 2023, which is the year we're in, right? Yep. I I have to have you remind me. But it's that what do we – it's almost the question of what do we do with problematic work? Because I I, I haven't – I don't know that I'm completely convinced that this work is problematic. Sure. But it still brings up the question, if it is, if if I – I'm not – totally dismissing this woman's comments about the film because it they seem relevant but and i mean again when you have a woman when you have a lesbian when you have somebody in in a power position why why does why does this character have to be so such a, a stalker a provocateur violent aggressor sexual harasser potentially 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 why you know, and so yeah. I'm just, I, I mean, that's, it's sort of what, what is this film if it's not, if she isn't, you know, that's the other question, sure. right? But, but I get the complaint and I get the note and there are plenty, there, there's too much of film history that has checked all those boxes and also had somebody be just a total monster, right? And that's part sure. of the problem. So, but I, again, I still like the damn film. So I'm a bit conflicted, perhaps. I, I just – I think that that it's it's just too mysterious and ambiguous and provocative a movie to put into any sort of narrow box. Yes, right? but, but I agree with you. But she's wholly unlikable. She's incredibly watchable. Sure. But would you want to work with this woman? No, of course not. Would no, you no, want no, no, to no. date this woman, right? Would you – like none of that, none of the above. She's she's incredibly grating. She's nasty. Mm-hmm. She's cold. Pretentious. She's self-absorbed. I mean I can keep going with this. She's It's really easy to watch her from the couch or from the comfortable uh-huh. cinema seat to be in the world with her, not so much. Sure. And and all of this, of course, you know, you're you're meant to sort of wonder, is this – a sort of armor that she has had to build around herself over time to be a triumphant female presence in an overwhelmingly male profession. 
Yeah, and I think that's part also from what's suggested as being a particular socioeconomic upbringing and right. this kind of thing. She it also leans into this. She becomes incredibly irritating too when she's got a crush <laughs> on this young woman, right? And sort of code shifts with her and this little bear in the car, and it's real. But it is incredible. It's that enjoyable watch of just somebody you love to hate. It really, it really puts its arms around that. And you know, I, I, it. This is a very different film than something like There Will Be Blood, right? Like with yeah. with this towering performance from Daniel Day-Lewis at the center of it. But it it's equivalent in that it is a it's an opportunity for one of the world's best actors sure. to sink her teeth into a wholly unusual, unlikable, prickly character in ways that Actresses, and especially actresses of a certain age, are very rarely allowed, re- yeah. very rarely given. Um, Agreed. So, so on, on that level, I mean, I, you know, and I understand Marin Alsop saying, uh, hey, this is a little close for comfort, um, given that much of the biographical details that you present here are applicable to me. Is this based on me? And I, you know, Giving Todd Field and Kate Blanchett the benefit of a doubt. Let's point out that Kate Blanchett is not an identified lesbian. She's identified heterosexual sure. woman. And we have a man directing. Right. So I'm just saying, uh, you, you know, didn't think there was going to be an issue? Do you know what I mean? And, and right. Again, it's hard for me because can I see anybody else playing this role? I mean, she really inhabits this character. Yeah. She's yeah. really incredible in it. And we embrace and accept her when she's Carol, who, by the way, is also cold. Yeah. <laughs> and also has her issues. So, you know, it's I don't know what to do with this. I kind of don't know what to do with it. I know exactly what to do with it. And it's to put <laughs> it at number one on my best films of well, 2022 it's list. It might be easier for you, white hetero man. It is. It it and and you know, like this is not my sort of story to tell. It's but but my wife, as you know, has had Ample experience yeah. in the classical music sure. realm, mostly working, as she told me, with with male conductors. Sure. And from what she has said, um, not to paint all conductors with a super broad brush, but she certainly saw a lot in Lydia Tarr uh, that reminded her of people that she has worked with. Oh, I don't, past. I don't doubt that for a second. I don't doubt that this thing is clearly researched. It's just probably should have researched with the person who might have been uh, a model for your work. I don't maybe, know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it, not. It's maybe kinda, not. Maybe I, not. I'm going to give, again, I'm going to give Todd Field the benefit of a doubt that this was not intended to be representative of Marin Alsup so much as maybe drawing from a similar sort of figure to tell a completely different story. Now, whether or not you should be allowed to do that is a different yeah. conversation. Um, I hear you. And she she would obvi- obviously, and I think she is well within her rights to say, no, you shouldn't do that. I think, yeah, she can, I think she can be right and the film can still still be here and and very, very good and probably worthy of a lot of the accolades that it's getting. It's It feels, first of all, you're, I absolutely agree with you that it feels so looked upon by Kubrick. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's got, some Kubrick vibe to it and the thing I kept noting throughout and I'm curious if you had the same feeling it feels like a horror film it does 
it is so many points. I was like, this could just like this is a horror film. Down really. to the fact that there are scenes where and and it's not something I noticed on my yeah. first viewing, but you know, people have posted screenshots. Okay. There are scenes where the ghost of the young woman is just standing in the background. Oh, of I haven't shots. seen that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I've got to it's go look super for that. That's cool, very cool. Right. And so like as as the sort of world closes in yeah. on Lydia Tarr, I, I'd say the back half of this movie is is like almost like Edgar Allan Poe's The Tale Telltale Heart, right? Where yeah. it's it's a person who um is starting to unravel because of guilt as much as anything. And I, I think that's that's one of the interesting or, or things. Or just feeling trapped. I'm not sure. Maybe a little bit of both. I mean and and it's such a rich text that you can go back and watch scenes or watch the entire film and speculate over what is motivating this character and speculate over what, why she's responding to certain things, the way she's responding. And, you know, there are no, or not many conclusive answers no, to those questions. The tone is, the tone is very interesting, Yeah, but I, I have one small criticism okay. and Again, I'm not – this is a criticism I'd like to allow some time for me to change my mind about okay, if you okay. wouldn't mind. And that is that as you are suggesting, something happens with the pace. The first – I I – I'm 30, 40 minutes into this thing, and I'm thinking, oh, I get it. I'm getting it. Yeah, because you're like the- three scenes into yeah, the movie. Yeah, three 30, scenes in. 30, 40 it's minutes very in. talky. And I mean, I think we can both relate probably to, I'm like, this is in the one scene where she's in the classroom. Oh, in God. some way, she's my spirit animal. What what a what a scene that is. And, and it's a one so yeah. Todd Field is moving that camera all yeah. around that classroom and – you know it's that. it's what it's the way that I want to go into my classroom tomorrow morning. It really <laughs> is. It's one of those things if you've ever if you've ever taught, it is one of those where you're like maybe if you've only been a student you could look at this and be like what a terrible bitch. But if you've ever taught, you've thought I have been there. I may not have acted <laughs> like that. I may not have done that, but man, I have been there. I have been there. You can at least watch that scene and be like that's not a good thing to do, but I understand. I totally it. get where she's coming from, and maybe that says something about me. But anyway, the the pace has a has a much different shift. And uh-huh. what this is the thing? I get what you're saying. I get that I can see the reasons strategically and on paper why that might be a brilliant move. But for me, it did feel a bit like when you're writing a sentence on a poster board and you think you've got enough room and then you get to the edge of the poster board and you have to put all those letters really close together. Yeah. It feels a little like that to me. And I, I was disappointed because there is something really rewarding about the pace at the beginning that's, sure. that's cruel, but at the same time, really enjoyable that I wish we had just been there throughout. Yeah. I, for me, you know, again, I read it as, as she starts falling apart, the, the scenes are choppier. They start and stop with very little warning, sometimes without establishing shots. You don't know where you are. You don't know when you are. And it's, it becomes fragmentary and almost impressionistic after a point, um, culminating in some stuff that is almost dreamlike. In, in the well, way it's it, composed. It's questionable at yeah. certain points, honestly. It's questionable. The, the I, scene I kept with thinking, the, the bear where she, you know, chases the woman she's got a crush what on. Hap- yeah, I, I still don't yeah, know. I, I can't don't say exactly what's going on. But that's, that is exactly why, you know, I saw this movie and I was like, I think I loved that. And it just, it just sat with me and marinated, you know, and, and, 
by by the time you know we got to the point where we're putting together our top ten, I was like, well, that's just yeah, undeniable. No, it's going to go into my top ten for sure. Even even with me acknowledging the issues, and I'm going to say something now that is is a bit of a spoiler. Okay. And so if anybody's listening and would like to see Tar, and we do suggest that you see Tar clearly, and would like to see it without, you know, having certain things spoiled for you, jump out now. Yeah, go tar it up. And that is that there is. She never really does anything wrong. <laughs> well, not in the not that is depicted for us in front no, of the camera. That's what I'm saying. Even yeah. even when she, that's what's so interesting to me, uh-huh. it, and maybe that's my comment to. Um, I'm so sorry to forget her name again. I'm sorry, Moran Alsup. Maybe that's my comment to her. Is is so much is speculative, and even the cheating on her partner right doesn't happen. Now, does she is she behaving inappropriately? Sure. Yes, she's does, she might be crossing some ethical lines. Maybe. But um, even at that, she she does get directly invited to go to dinner with this young woman uh-huh. and says no. And you know, like the thing that inspires her assistant to sort of jump ship is Lydia Tarr not giving her the job that the assistant believed that she totally. was entitled to by putting up with her ship for years. Now, prior to the beginning of the film, was there some sort of inappropriate or implicit agreement we don't between know. the two? All we can do is we speculate. We don't know. And that's so fascinating to me. It is. It's the fact that she's never, we never see her with her hand in the cookie jar right. on any of the fronts, even, even, the, even the one that we could all say is not criminal, right? It's cheating on your partner. It's not criminal. It's not right, but it's not criminal. At least in the context of of a committed relationship, I'll put it that way. Right. So, but we don't even get that. So, really, really captivating. Yeah. And anyway, it's a it's a lot to think through. I'll I'll kind of wrap up with this because we get to I think feel like we could talk about this for another hour. But I was stretching the other day to remember an example to give to my students in in a production class. And one of the things I was trying to to remember was a moment in a film that goes a long way. Right? Uh-huh. So one of those times when you have just four seconds represented on frame, but uh, on the screen uh, for 60 frames or something, and, you're, and it just changes the entire character for you, right? And so I, I just off the top of my head couldn't think of anything. I was like, I have to go do a deep dive on that. But then ta- I watched Tar, and there's a moment in Tar that is so wonderful of an example of that, mm-hmm. which is when the gentleman's clicking his pen, uh-huh. and she walks over to him and puts her hand over the clicking pen. Yep. It's just a perfect, yep. it's a pitch perfect yep. moment of characterization that on a page in a script takes up a line and a half and has zero to do with dialogue. It's completely visual and it is a gut punch about this character. And so it's a, there's just, that's not the only brilliant moment in this film, but there is a brilliant little moment sitting in this film that worked as a perfect example. I think that's a wonderful example of what makes this movie in general so special. Yeah. For sure. Anyway, lots more to talk about, but we'll put a lid on it right now. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Side Talks. We're your own personal cinematic Chinese balloon and U.S. Department of Defense. Mm. (laughs) I couldn't help myself. No. um, Is it a Chinese spy balloon? What's the satellite? uh, Chinese <laughs> uh, weather observation balloon, <laughs> I, as far as I understand it. Oh, man, um, I respect that. Sure. I. You know what? Whatever. <laughs> Fly that shit over the center of the oh. United States. All you'll see is people, like, fucking go into, I don't know, 
Oh, Charlie's. We're Is living that a thing in a, anymore? We're living in a simulation. What are they trying to find out? Anyway, thank you to Boutwell Studios. What's the point of a spy <laughs> balloon when every single American citizen has TikTok on their phones already? Like... <laughs> You're getting all your information from that. You don't need This a is to collect the handful of people who aren't on TikTok. Yeah, I it's guess. Just they got to get them too. So it's just clearing right past. Is that why there's a balloon over my apartment? <laughs> <laughs> that explains that. Uh, did we we thank we thank Brad and Beltwell? Yeah, we did. Thanks, Brad. And at at Sidewalk Film, sidewalkfest.com. Come see a movie with us at the cinema. You can get those tickets at sidewalkfest.com and see what we're doing. Twilight which is Fest. All kinds of fun stuff like Twilight Fest or other actual fun things. Um, <laughs> Shut you, up. You can see what those are uh, on social media at Sidewalk Film. Team Come, Bella. Team, sure. Yeah, of the three. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the choice. You're Team Alice. I'm, t- yeah. yeah. No, I think that's fair. Yeah. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.